Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. About three weeks ago, I went to a Cardinals-Cubs baseball game with some out-of-town friends of mine who are rabid Cubs fans. The tickets cost me an arm and a leg, but it was actually a pretty good game because the Cardinals won, and of course it was a sellout. So we found ourselves crammed in these seats, surrounded by people of varying allegiance, all too willing to talk to each other about the game. As you know, when you get a large mix of people gathered around a spectacle such as a Cardinals-Cubs baseball game, you also get to overhear a lot of conversation about the game. Everybody, it seems, becomes an expert. And so in addition to the game, you get to hear a lot of observations and opinions and pronouncements about the game and about individual players in the game. The comments are all related only by the fervency with which they are spoken. So, someone to my left says about the cardinal batting order in which the pitcher bats eighth, that Tony La Russa is crazy. I kind of agree. Someone behind me, obviously trying to impress his girlfriend, recites all these statistics about Albert Pujols and then says that Albert Pujols just has to be the MVP or there is no justice in this world. And someone to my right frets about Carlos Zambrano's shoulder. (laughs) And like any true Cub fan predicts doom for the Cubs in the playoffs. And so far, it looks like that guy is dead on. Now, personally, I enjoy listening to all the baseball talk. For me, it is part of the entertainment and the reason that you come to the game in the first place. All around you, words fill the spaces between the pitches, and you never know what you're going to hear next. Now, my experience at that baseball game is a lot like the experience that I had when I was reading Psalm 118. As you read this particular psalm, it feels like you are in the middle of this raucous religious crowd, a crowd that is on its way, you find out, to the temple, to the big game, so to speak. And along the way, everybody is talking about Yahweh. All these people are huge fans of Yahweh. One thing you notice is that these people are devoted to him. They are excited. They love him. In almost every verse, they mention him by name. They talk about the past experiences that they've had with him and their future hopes. They express wonder. They praise him. They thank him. The first four verses read almost like a cheer among groups in the crowd as they are walking along. Let Israel say, Ki le olam chasto. Let the house of Aaron say, Ki le olam chasto. Let those who fear the Lord say, Ki le olam chasto. And behind you, someone says, Out of my distress I called to Yahweh. Yahweh answered me and set me free. And to your right, someone advises, It is better to seek refuge in Yahweh than to trust in men. Someone else sharpens that bit of wisdom. It is better to trust in Yahweh than to trust in princes. In front of you, another voice, maybe the king's, All the nations surround me. In the name of Yahweh, I will cut them off. 
And somewhere to your left, you hear a line from the song made famous by Moses at the Red Sea. Yahweh is my strength and song. Yahweh has become my salvation. And now at the temple gates, people are jostling to get in. This is the gate to Yahweh. The righteous will enter it. And then single voices join together. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And there you stand in the middle of this joyous gathering, in the middle of these captivated, love-struck people, listening to all this talk. But why Yahweh? What has he done that has created so much excitement, so, so much worship? Somehow he has gotten to these people. I mean, they throw around words like salvation and victory and life from death, not so much like some fancy theological labels, but as if this stuff actually happened to them, as if they had tangibly, concretely gotten saved, as if they were all CEOs that had received a $150 million golden parachute in the mail that day. (laughs) And here you are listening to this crowd. But are you really part of them? Can you identify with them? Can you shout with them, Yahweh is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Or Yahweh is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Or I will not die, but I will live, and I will proclaim the works of Yahweh. Can you say these things and mean them? Well, I want to impress upon you today that the answer is yes. And I want to do that by calling your attention to one voice that stands apart a little from the rest. You may have recognized it. Some suggest that it is a proverbial saying referring to the king and to the fact that Yahweh has delivered the king from all his enemies. Others suggest that it refers to Israel herself and the fact that this lowly nation has broken the back of enemies far stronger than she. We are under no pressure to solve that particular problem. But listen again. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the the corner. This is from Yahweh, and it is wonderful in our eyes. For us, It is talking ultimately about this other astounding thing that Yahweh did. Another visible, concrete, saving life from death act. In these words, we recognize Jesus, who himself, in a damning parable, uses these words against his enemies to actually bring about their fulfillment in his own flesh and blood person. Peter comes straight out with it. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation, there's that word again, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is wonderful in our eyes, an appreciative Israel shouts. And remember that this is the salvation given 
to you. Salvation is not just another abstract theological concept that we throw around, like Jesus saves or Jesus is the salvation of the world. (laughs) No, in the tangible, concrete act of baptism, Yahweh has saved you. The Holy Spirit has given you the experience not only of Jesus' death, but also his resurrection. You are actually one of the crowd as Israel thronged to the temple to rejoice in the great things that Yahweh had done for them and to hear that story again. So we come before the presence of Yahweh to eat his body and to drink his blood and to hear again and again the story of the great things our God has done for us. The kind of God talk that we hear in this psalm is our way of talking too. Because in Jesus, Yahweh has done his saving thing for his people once more. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I will not die. Rather, I will live and I will proclaim the works of Yahweh. I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Ki olam chasto. For his mercy endures forever. And in Jesus, that's true. His mercy for us has no end. Amen.